millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Karlik disaster. Here's what you need to know. The uncharted territories and remote Inuit people of the Arctic continent had allured white men on daring expeditions for years when explorer and anthropologist Vigel Moore Stephenson received funding from the Canadian government for an expedition to the High Arctic, a region in the Beaufort Sea. Eager to continue his Arctic studies and possibly discover new land, Stephenson gathered his crew and vessel, the Karlik, a 29-year-old wooden whaler, which had been retired for years. Stephenson bought it at a bargain price of a mere $10,000. Originally built for the fishing industry in California, the word Karlik means fish, 
the ship was not equipped for the polar seas and went through a series of repairs. The Carlick left Victoria, British Columbia on June 17, 1913, with 10 scientists, 13 crew members, four Inuit hunters, one seamstress and her two children, one passenger, and 40-some dogs aboard. Polar explorer Robert Bartlett captained the ship, which traveled alongside two other vessels of the expedition, Mary Sachs and Alaska. On July 27th, the expedition crossed the Arctic Circle, passing through the Bering Strait and entering the vast Arctic Ocean. Many of the crew members were inexperienced young men, and they stood in awe as the ship passed walruses, seals, and polar bears. Instead of taking the cautious approach of sticking close to shore, as the Mary Sachs and Alaska did, the Karlik ventured offshore. 1913 was one of the worst years for ice ever recorded in the Western Arctic, and the ship was soon trapped in the ice, drifting further off course. On September 20th, Stephenson, three crew members, and two hunters left the ship to hunt for caribou, taking with them a portion of the food supplies, ammunition, and dogs. For the next several months, the Karlik drifted westward in the ice as the 22 men one woman, and two children aboard rationed supplies. As the vessel filled with water, Bartlett remained aboard playing records, ending with Chopin's funeral march before climbing out of the ship just before it sank into the depths of the ocean. The stranded expedition members built an igloo and a shelter made of packing cases on the drifting ice they named Shipwreck Camp. Captain Bartlett hoped his crew could gather strength before marching to Wrangell Island in February, when there would be longer daylight hours. In the meantime, he sent a trail-breaking group to scout Wrangell Island. The party of four, Charles Barker, John Brady, Edmund Golightly, and Alexander Anderson, would never reunite with their expedition, and their bodies were found ten years later. Meanwhile, scientists McKay, Murray, Beauchat, and seaman Stanley Morris announced they wished to strike out on their own, writing a letter to Bartlett absolving the captain of his responsibilities to them. Their bodies were never recovered, and it was assumed the four were crushed by ice or had fallen through it. Bartlett and the remaining expedition members traveled 100 miles through the ice before stopping at Wrangell Island. While he initially planned to lead the group to Siberia, most members were too weak to continue. So Bartlett and the Inuit hunter Kataktovic journeyed 700 miles to Siberia and the Bering Strait. Upon arriving at the end of April, Bartlett had to wait until the end of May for a ship that would sail back to Alaska where he could wire government officials to begin a search for the castaways. Suffering from severe swelling in his legs and feet, from the perilous travels, Bartlett finally reunited with his fellow survivors. Three men had died on Wrangell Island since February, with the remaining 12 expedition members surviving off of roots and hunted duck, seals, and walruses. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Sets of the 31 expedition members, 11 died. Four men died after splitting from Captain Bartlett's party and struggling independently across the ice. 
The lost men were Alistair McKay, Henry Beauchat, James Murray, and Stanley Morris. Another four men, Alex Anderson, Charles Barker, John Brady, and A. Golightly, sent ahead by Bartlett, died on the Arctic island. Their fate was not discovered until 11 years later in 1924, when Captain Lewis Lane discovered their remains. While waiting for the rescue, another three men died. Geologist George Malik and his assistant Yarn Mamen died of nephritis, likely due to a starvation diet based on faulty pemmican. Seaman Breddy died of a gunshot wound, probably self-inflicted, but there is some suggestion of manslaughter, as Breddy had been accused of stealing food from the others. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Ahoy. And fact checker Chris Smith. Brr, it's cold. I want to go home. <laughs> and uh, it's just the three of us today. It's mm-hmm. we're keeping it in house. Can we plug and our the own, affair? Can, <laughs> yes. Can we can we plug our own Twitter accounts or? Yes, you you can. You clearly want to plug your own Twitter account. Well, I mean, I if just you, like I like to goof off on Twitter and social media. So sure. I've you know, usually the guests get to plug that. So okay. Well, but if you do that, then you have to tell us what you've what's recently been alarming you. Oh. Okay. Mm, that's so, the deal. It's okay. a lot of pressure. So uh, follow uh, Chris at, at @smithchris on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Chris, uh, what you know? What's been keeping you up at night? And, what's recently alarming you? And Chris, Chris Smith, Smith on. Uh, Oh, Instagram. Instagram. Chris Chris Smith Smith on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> it's a high maintenance guest we have here. Okay, cool. Um, what's recently been been alarming me? Uh, like a little bit of everything, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, what hasn't been alarming me, I guess, is the bigger question. You have to answer this uh, like truthfully. Oh, okay. I was doing <laughs> You're, comedy, no bits. I guess. No um, bits. No bits. No bits. Okay. What has been alarming me recently? And, po- you know, preferably in 30 seconds. Oh, Go. geez. This is actually a tough question. <laughs> I, I'm a pretty laid back guy. Um, I'll tell you what. Somebody, you know what's alarming me? That Chris has no cares in the world. You know, wow. what, you, you know what? Here's my issue. As somebody asked me how I was doing the other day and I said, great. And then they were like, wow, I, I, you don't usually do, I don't usually do great. And then I was thinking why I answered that way. And it was, I'll tell you why. We have a new Rover app. Then we have somebody go and walk our dogs because Rebecca and I are both working at the moment. So we have somebody mm. go and take care of our dogs. And if my dogs are cared for, my dogs are such a source <laughs> of stress for me. Yeah. And, and I guess my alarm is that, okay, so... My dogs, when they're taken care of, I'm great. And when they, I know my dogs are home alone for long periods of time, I'm really stressed. And but that's not my alarm. My alarm is like, I I need to I need to not worry so much about the dogs. Mm. Mm. Sure, <laughs> they're your babies. They're, they're they really are my babies. They're also dogs. Mm-hmm. They're also dogs. But you know, there's a fine line between a dog. And a best friend. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a baby, but yeah. 
<laughs> sure. Okay. So I just care so much about them. He and cares about his friends. That That's concerns me because like, is my heart in the right place? Should I be caring more about actual humans? Mm-hmm. Do you have more, cons- do you feel like you worry as much about like me, one of your best, most wonderful friends? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you do the dogs? Do you want worry I'll, when Clayton I'll, is I'll home alone? The, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clayton's Are you gonna send Rover over to take me out? I'll be, I'll be real talk, real talk. I do worry about all my friends. I do think about all my friends, but not as much as I think about my dogs. Okay. <laughs> so if you're talking about concern in terms of length of time, like actual, like if you were to say, oh, he's thinking about his dogs and start a stopwatch and then like take all those little stopwatch cues. At add the, up the time. And add yeah. up the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be more Bronco and Yogi than Clay. <laughs> That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. But the degree of concern changes, you know, it's, it's a different kind of concern it's I have good. for you, Clayton. Okay. I appreciate that. I'm not going to ask about me, but we'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, kid, okay. I want to transition into this topic because I'm just, I can't believe that we've never heard of this disaster. Mm-hmm. And also the extent of which, <laughs> like how things went wrong mm, is yeah. just, I mean, what these people went through is wild yeah. it feels like there's seasons of this disaster you know it's like yes yeah it goes on for so, it's long. so long and yeah. then you know what i'm thinking about the fact that it's they're in the arctic mm. and it's the cold yeah i mean they're they're there it's not like they're there in the summer they're not summer in the arctic Mm-mm. it's no. winter in the arctic it's, it's like winter and then less winter yeah, and, and the daylight the lack of daylight right. not only are you lost oh yeah sure and you're hoping to get say you know uh saved but there you're also in complete darkness and <laughs> for the most part mm-hmm yeah, I would agree. Um, this is one of those things where you're like, oh, these are actual humans just like me in a situation. And I was thinking about this the other day. I rarely, I have a five degree window of comfortability. It's like 68 to 73. Sure. Yeah. Anything higher than that or lower than that, <laughs> I'm making adjustments. Sure. <laughs> I'm getting up. I'm changing the thermostat. I'm putting on a sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm changing the environment in some way that I can. Um, and then you think about something like this and this period of time uh, of being and having to survive in these conditions. And you're just like, wow. There were no thermostats in 1910. No. At least not on a ship in the Arctic. <laughs> that no. would be funny, though, because when, you know when they make that igloo and they get off the boat, it'd be funny if they installed a thermostat. They're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here, guys, if it gets a little cold, just turn the heat They have their nest. <laughs> just knock out a block of ice, let some wind in. Um, okay, so th- this is like, it- it's wild. So the, 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 the ship is off, off, stuck because of some icebergs and it's you know it, it, it's being carried through mm-hmm. the ice mm-hmm. right. no control there's no, no control <laughs> they're nope. just at the will of the, uh, the ice in the ocean at this point Je- yeah it's jesus take the wheel but icebergs take the wheel <laughs> mm-hmm. the shipboard group occupied themselves with hunting for meat and making winter clothing clearly they're gonna need thank god they brought that seam the the seamstress right crazy think I, I mean, wow. Lucky I mean, she, smart. she's the only woman and she survived with her kids. As she should. Good. I mean, it's, it is amazing. It's like, were they, was she there just because they think 
thought they might need to like sew up a Bundle hole in their up, socks maybe? or were they like, oh, we might need someone to make winter clothes? Like, well, is that common? I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, Chris, if you could look that up. Was it common to bring a, seamstore to, a seamstress aboard a ship <laughs> when you're exploring, exploring at that the time? Arctic, yeah. <laughs> Seems wild now, but honestly... Maybe not. Maybe they knew something we we should be tra- maybe we should be traveling with <laughs> I seamstresses. Will, I will look that up, but just I will look that up. But just so you know how my uh fact finding expedition started, I typed into the DuckDuckGo bar and I typed Google.com. <laughs> mm. Great. So now I'm start. on Google yeah. and I'm gonna no, look up good. is it common to bring a seamstress onto a hunting or Expedition, Expedition. <laughs> and try, you know, 1900s. That should get um, you right to the source. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, which, okay, so it had not been previously issued. And according to one report, 12 scientists and officers had only, the, uh, this is the 12, they only had nine bowls, seven mugs, and 10 seats between them. <laughs> There's 12 of them. Oh nine gosh. bowls, seven mugs. 10 seats between the two people need to be standing the whole (laughs) it's like that it's like that improv game where one only only one person can lay down one person can sit one person Mm -hmm. can stand this is not that's not i mean come on who planned that this is not right so let's let's start off by putting poor planning even though the the seamstress bringing along the seamstress was good planning but everything else seemed poor Let's also put up Captain Robert Bartlett up on the board. Okay. This is according to Professor Janice Cavell. In March and April 1913, Stephenson met Bartlett's former former commander, Robert Perry, who strongly recommended Bartlett on the grounds that Bartlett would always obey orders without question. To the press, Stephenson reported that Bartlett is a man who is not afraid of hurting his ship and not eager to save it at the expense of the expedition. He goes cheerfully into such a hazard. After Stephenson arrived in Victoria on June 7, Bartlett told the press that Carlick was a good ice ship. She cannot stand ramming ice at full speed, but will go into ice as far as she can break her way. His real feelings, however, were revealed in a letter to Robert Perry. He raged that the ship was rotten as a pear and gave a detailed list of its defects. His report to Ottawa had merely given the government the impression that he had cold feet. The ship had never come back, but Bartlett was determined to do all I can. It's the new land or bust. Ooh, let's put that new land or bust new up land on the board. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll continue. Bartlett's behavior can be explained by nothing except orders from Stephenson not to abandon the ship while it was still afloat. Certainly, his own ambitions must have played some part. Indeed, he later admitted that after Carlick had survived a few months in the pack, he began to hope that their adventure would end successfully with books and lectures and a lot other of other money-making products. So he was in it for, you know, this is just me now speculating. I feel like he was in it for the story mm. that would then yield i don't know his big book money money right money 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 we're seeing capitalism we're seeing a book money. idea i'm just gonna um, put capitalism on searching this is gonna make a great story <laughs> yeah you know, what is that it's like that, that friend, search we all have that friend who is like 
well, this is going to make a great story. Let's have an epic night. And you're just like, dude, I'm tired. Yeah. Can we go to bed? Chris is worried about his dogs. He doesn't have time for this My stuff. dogs <laughs> are, are alone at home. <laughs> if you want to go home, walk them. What would you call that? It's not like... Uh, is it like a hero complex or like Lo- a- Ooh, that's pretty good hero complex is great but it, 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 there's also like that cert uh, it's like something about like searching like putting yourself in 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 uh da- not dangerous but like risky mm-hmm. situations tempting fate but if the nature of it is that you you're doing it because it's the exciting glory. in the glory of doing it it's like I don't even thrill think seekers? he. Is well, this a I thrill don't think, seeker? From what mm. I'm, I'm reading from this excerpt, what I'm gleaning from it is that he wasn't even in it because he like wanted to be like, oh, the challenge. Sure. Like he want he. It, it was more just like the story. It's like for me, it's like those friends who put themselves in awkward situations, who like meet a person and like then like, uh, you know, I mean. I, I, we, we have to, you know, you meet someone at a restaurant and you, they're just like, come along, you know, like we're going to go to this other bar and you're just like, yeah, like hopping on. So maybe I mean, it's just like that's a, a milder version of this, but, but like a lack of alarmism or like lack of caution, you know, it's yeah. like, how do you put that? This is throwing caution to the wind, but in this case it's throwing caution to the ice. Throwing caution to the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Let's, why don't we put it down as story seekers? Okay. That'll, we'll know what that means. It's all of that, what we just said, listeners. Yeah. So just remember. <laughs> and again, he's the captain. He's mm-hmm. the one who's leading this exploration. So, okay. Now, let's read about uh, the expedition leader, Stephenson. Um, Professor Janice Cavell also said, after the Prime Minister, Robert Borden, had agreed that Canada would become the expedition's sole sponsor, Stephenson remarked to a reporter that if his ship became caught in the ice on the northern voyage, nothing could be done except to let it drift. So he knew. Stephenson had purchased the Carlick, an old whaler. The Carlick, Stephenson freely admitted, was not built to withstand the pressure of ice on such a passage, and it might be wrecked. So he already. So we should put the Carlick up, I guess, right? Yeah, the Carlick yes. was a. And but... Stephenson's the one who bought it. Right. right. Ste- Bartlett was the captain. Stephenson purchased the boat. So Stephenson, she's up to. You got to kick the tires. Yeah. You... In that event, he thought the men could simply travel back to their base over the ice. So if it got if it got wrecked, they'll just just get back to the base. <laughs> just get on the ice. Stephen said in an interview with the Toronto Globe in June uh, on June 18, 1913, said so fully has the government entered into the true aims of exploration that they have specifically provided in a letter of instructions that the attainment of the purpose of the expedition is more important than bringing back safe of the ship on which it sails. Okay, this means that while every reasonable precaution will be taken to safeguard the lives of the party, it is realized both both by the backers of the expedition and the members of it that even the lives of the party are secondary in the accomplishment of the work. Which is just to like discover new land. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then if you all die and you can't get back to tell about it, then nobody knows about the new land. It's a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it. They'll just be like, oh no, they stay they must have found the good land because they never came back. So send more expeditioners. 
<laughs> they're having a great old time up there in the Arctic. I do think at this time there was this attitude and culture around the spirit of adventure. I, I just think they thought of risk-taking differently than we do these days because, you know, I don't know. They're just different. They don't have the sort of safety. They're built differently. And they come from different stock. And, and, and travel and survival is more sort of baked into their just overall life experience. Yeah. I guess the modern version of this, you know, because we know all the land, basically. Like, we have satellite of everything on the planet. But So, I guess the modern day version of that is all of our sp- space exploration, right? Right. Oh, Which yeah. you could argue we do, you know, we have so much technology now and there's so many safety protocols. But, like, people go up to space and die. Like, that happens. That right? totally happens. So, I guess um, that's what it is, right? And we don't think yeah. about that. We're not like, why are people going into space? We're like, that's amazing. Well, it is if you little... think about it, we're always exploring, yeah. right? Right. As, as, as humans, or mm-hmm. at least of this mm-hmm. time, of uh, these past centuries, mm-hmm. um, we're always exploring, you know, whether it was the Americas that mm-hmm. we were, you know, trying to get to. <laughs> Quote, discovering. Right. Disco- oh, yeah, discovering. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at this. It ha- You know, now it's now it's here. <laughs> yeah. It was, no one's <laughs> here like before us. It's like it disappeared. <laughs> um, and Never then, mind the massive populations and cities no, that already exist. Yes, yes. The, the, the whole, like... <laughs> Whoa, it's wild is, to me. Look at this. Yeah, no, yeah. And nobody's even here. The what about the like, hordes of people that created civilizations your <laughs> that were there? No, no, no. We found it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then at, after that was done and the colonizers realized how profitable it was, they're like, well, right. where can we go? We need to go either to the south. <laughs> we need to go to Antarctica or we have to go to the north. But again, you make a good point because there were Inuit people that were already there. Yes. Yeah. So it's not really about discovery. It's about applying, you know, I guess, what would you say? Like, just, I don't know, figuring out where to put the next ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, or just dominance. You know, you want to extend your territory so you have more land and you're more powerful globally. Right. right. And I guess that's what's the difference between back then and today or exploring land on earth as opposed to land in well, space uh, th- th- until they figure out how how to live in mars on mars and there are no and then and then it's like there. oh you know the united states is going to claim mars and so now we have well, mars it, to go to and it's it's like the same pattern right because you already have like the elon musks of the world being like yeah we're gonna call, we're gonna build a space station and colonize it and mm-hmm. you know it's all about like yeah. exploration and philanthropy but no it's just that's a money-making project yeah right money there. everyone wants to be the first place to live on mars right yeah, yeah. well let's encompass that by uh how can we encompass that like ca- I, uh, other than capitalism no. I want to say no chill. (laughs) No chill. chill. (laughs) Humans have no chill because essentially what that is, is it's just like, look, we got this land. It's right here. Let's just chill. It's, it's greed, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's greed. Maybe this will help us. So I I want, I also want to put up a geographical fantasy up on the board. Again, this is Professor Janice Cavell. To properly understand the decisions that led to the disaster, 
It is necessary to consider the life stories and ambitions of Stephenson and Bartlett. They each felt an intense craving for accomplishment and fame, and they believed in the theory that they, there was an undiscovered Arctic content north of the Beaufort Sea. Dazzled by the hope of finding this new land, they took excessive risks. It is then not really a question of whether the expedition leader or the ship's captain was the mere culpable uh, was more culpable. Rather, the key fact is that Stephenson and Bartlett were both allured by the same false geographical theory and by the prospect of lasting fame that it seemed to hold out to them. So there you go. It was, <laughs> you know, the curiosity, basically. Was there land up there? Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can do with it? Is that a saying, curiosity killed the cat? Mm-hmm. Or did I make curiosity that Curiosity killed no. the garlic. The curiosity killed the garlic. <laughs> Can we put cur- curiosity up on the board? I mean, I hate. I would not want to send curiosity. No, up right? To you. No. But, but yeah, I know what you you're know, saying. That is, I think it. Yeah. That is the generous kind of interpretation of what was going on. You know what I mean? And also, what you can say about all these NASA scientists who are like, "What's going on up in space?" It's you know the the quest for knowledge, man's quest for knowledge. Yes, yes. But that's some- one thing. It doesn't feel like that's what they were doing. They're just like, look, we got to figure out what's up in the Arctic, and we don't care if people die. We don't care if this ship goes down. It's almost like uh, the humans getting handsy thing that we've talked about, except for we're not like manhandling animals. It's just like our, I guess, a sense of entitlement to. Hmm. Right, gimme, gimme. Ex- it's like yeah. a gimme, gimme attitude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> gimme, gimme that land. Mm-hmm. I see land, gimme, gimme. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be on it. I want to be close yeah, to it. Yeah. I want to be near Pe- it. People already on it. Move away. Gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> it's mineies. It's mine. Oh. And I put my little flag. Ooh. <laughs> Our flag obsession. Look at this. It's a big It's like that phrase, you know, like... Uh, look with your eyes, not with your hands, kind of thing. You know, because right. like we can't help ourselves. Yeah. Like oh, we see why. something, we see something beautiful, and we just got to kind of like get in there just instead of just like looking at it and be like, "Wow, oh, that's beautiful." I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so can we put that up on the board? How do you oh, wait? Which one? I mean, you, it's still humans getting handsy. Yeah, I, it I is really humans getting like handsy. We trademarked that, yeah. and I and I really like that about the alarmist. <laughs> but I like what, how you've add, the the metaphor you've added to it. Yeah, that's very specific, and yeah, sure. So let's put. Also, we have to put the carlick up on the board. The actual, the actual boat. boat. Again, oh, that's uh, on there. I got it. Okay, okay. So this is again according to Professor Janice Cavell. Extensive repairs had been made to the Carlick, and the dockyard officials considered the ship was good enough for ordinary work in the Arctic. Knowing what Stephenson's actual plans were, Bartlett was hardly reassured. A telegram warned that Bartlett considered the ship absolutely unsuitable to remain winter in the ice. Stephenson evidently said the Carlick had wintered in the Arctic before, which was true, and that it would likely return south in the autumn of 1931, which was not true. Jennifer Niven from the Ice Master said, Her decks were cluttered and soiled, piled high with drums of coal oil and cartons of supplies and ropes and bags of large skin boats. Underneath this was disorganization. The ship's wood was stained, weathered, and warped in places, and the decks creaked when the men walked about. What was she was far from the powerful 
powerful Arctic ice vessel many of the men had expected. As chief engineer John Monroe noted, her engine was nothing but an old coffee pot. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no other vessel to replace the Carlick. She was the cheapest and the readiest ship available. And as far as Stephenson was concerned, she would do just fine. I mean, that's just like uh, uh, negligence, right? It's like now I just feel like you wouldn't if you would just wait until you could build a bigger ship. You know, you would think with like safety protocols of modern times, if you wouldn't just find the cheapest ship that was not appropriate and be like well this is the best thing we got right now so we're going to uncharted territories that this thing probably isn't equipped for yeah right Mm -hmm. it's like you know what it is it's like being like okay well i gotta i gotta get to new york from california new york i gotta drive um let me see what can i buy in an hour um (laughs) and then Like, just get the buy that, like, you know, 1980, you know. Well, when we first moved to LA, we bought a, we called it the Nugget. We bought a uh, Saturn yes. SL2. Mm. And it was uh, the Which guy. Which don't make anymore. <laughs> no, we for good reason. The, yeah. For good reason. <laughs> we brought it to the mechanic, and he was just like, okay, it's fine. But he goes, drive it like an old man. That's what he said. And it didn't have a radio. It had no air. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just like, you know, I'll just drive this. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'll fine. hope for the best. We're going to hope for the best. But don't, you know, don't take it up to the Arctic and try, no. and, try and take it on an expedition. Right. You're if you going do on bring roads. along a seamstress, at least. At least you went on, like, you know, a paved highway that has, you know, right. resources and stops along the way. So if something goes wrong, you're not just like abandoned right yeah that's true (laughs) there's an expression the right tool for the right job my dad's always saying that so maybe Mm -hmm. this is the wrong tool. the carlick was the wrong i love that for the wrong job the carlick wrong tool for the wrong job all right sure we'll put that up on the board next to the carlick um i also want to put up on the board inexperienced crew yeah jennifer niven uh again from the ice master wrote there hadn't been time enough to search out the best candidates besides the pay 10 british pounds per month was meager so the crew of the carlick was for the most part made up of boys without any real experience or practical trade attracted by the adventure and expedition promised and whatever money they could get bartlett worried about their inexperience their backgrounds and their character none as far as he knew had ever set foot on arctic snow ice or snow not one of them had ever been trained in surviving the elements, and Stephenson, in a perpetual rush to accommodate the swift deadline of the Canadian government, disgracefully had offered no such training. You know what I? You know what made me think of that, or what I thought about while you were saying that? These guys who were out for adventure and expedition—if they had as many streaming services available to them as we have today. They probably would be perfectly content and just sit back and be entertained with life. But they were bored. I think it was just a boring time Mm -hmm. to be a human being. And they were like, get me out of here. I want to go on an adventure. And so that was the spirit of adventure, basically. So you blame spirit of adventure. I, I don't blame the spirit of adventure. I blame the lack of Netflix. At the time, <laughs> <laughs> lack There's of a few entertainment things that had to happen before we got there. Yeah, <laughs> um, I it's a, this is a tough one because it's like 
spirit of adventure. Um, Which I, is I a guess good thing, right? It is a good thing, right? So this is how, I guess, progress happens. You know, curiosity. Again, similar to curiosity. Yeah, it's a double, it's sort of a... But this is the bad side. Yeah. You know how, like, they say, like, with every good thing, there's a bad side. Yes. Did I, I, maybe it's just my therapist who says that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my therapist is huge about, you know, there are every, every, sing, there's a, there's a good and a bad to every single thing. Even the best, the things that you think are the best things, there's always a bad to them. And sometimes you just have to kind of like accept it yeah. and mm-hmm. bring call, it along with you. We call that the tax. We, when we have <laughs> friends or, or people in our lives who you're just like, I like this person. It's just sometimes they do this. Well, that's just sort of the tax you have to pay to like hang out with them. Mm -hmm. Like your dogs, for example. You love them, but you do have to pick up their poop with your own hands every day. That's the tax. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to worry about getting someone to walk them while you're at work. Exactly. That's the tax. So... Why are we talking about? We're talking this? about curiosity is essentially a good thing. Curiosity is essentially a good thing, but there's a tax. There's a yes. curiosity the tax. tax. Yeah, so, the the tax that comes with curiosity or curiosity tax. Yeah, curiosity we're just talking about tax. We're just yeah, talking about risk is what we're talking about. Um, but also, you know, these inexperienced guys. The fact that they were provided with no uh, training. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And this they, kind of, it's like, if you're going to do something that's like uncharted, unprecedented, yeah. there at least would be a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't figure it out on the fly. Exactly. <laughs> at least a plan. Show them how a slingshot works or something. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. like. <laughs> I mean, cra- that, this is how little they care. How about basic training? Put that up on lack yes. of basic lack training. Lack of basic training. Um, but this is how little the uh, captain and the expedition leader cared about the their it's a lack of caring for your employees too and we've seen that before mm, we have we so yeah, have i put the, i have negligence but i can put like a little lack of care for employees right uh-huh i now, it also just seems like a rush job you know like there's no ooh, reason rush job that's a, that's i love a, a rush job rush i mean job i is... hate a rush job but i love it for the board for the board <laughs> put it on the board <laughs> Um, and finally, before we start crossing things off, um, we should put the Canadian government up on the board. Oh, Canada. Uh-oh. Oh, Everyone? Canada. More like, uh-oh, Canada. <laughs> uh-oh, Canada. Uh, the Canadian government. Jennifer Niven uh, from the Ice Master wrote, the American Museum of Natural History and the National Geographic Society had allotted $45,000 to the expedition. This sum was too little to carry out Stephenson's ambitious plans, so he traveled to Ottawa in February of 1913 to seek additional assistance from the Canadian government, which offered to take over the operation completely with interest in asserting Canada's sur- uh, sovereignty. In relinquishing its obligation to back the expedition, the National Geographic Society was empathetic on one point. Was emphatic. On oh, one sorry. Point. Emphatic on one point. <laughs> the <laughs> different word. The exploration, it, as financed by the Canadian government, must begin in May or June of 1913. So putting a deadline to it. Mm. Otherwise, the society would once again have claim over the expedition and would send them north the following year. The Canadian government did not want to lose this grand venture. Thus, in April of 1913, Stephenson found himself short of time 
the show must go on mentality, perhaps? We just talked about this. Well, it was also the deadline put on by the National Geographic Society. So Uh maybe we blame them. They're the one who set the deadline. The Canadian government agreed to it. But the what about the National Geographic Society said it? Well, it looks like the Canadian government was going to give them more money. So that was more of the captain uh, and the the exploration leaders being like, well, we can we can get more money if we can leave before June. Right. Oh, I see. You know. So okay. they rushed it to get that cash. So rush job. Ru- that sort of fits under rush job. Yeah. Um, and, and also the show must, yeah, well, this one for, for some reason, it, it, it's not the show must go on mentality because, but it kind of is because when I think of the show, it must go on mentality. I think of how futile it is. It's like, mm-hmm. do we really need to see a show? Like if you didn't do the show, how <laughs> necessary? I mean, I don't want to like, I know we, we love our art and any, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> there's certain there's certain things that could happen where the show must go on because that's fine. You can like recover. like a surgery, maybe. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> uh, you know, just uh, a natural disaster, you know, is happening. And so we must do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a show, not necessary. Also, an exploration that no one's asking for to the Arctic. It feels like you can wait a year. Hmm. That's fair. Well, I mean, I guess back to Chris's point, these kids, these kids, these people, these crazy were, kids, like if they were truly just like young and bored and like like their life expectancy was much shorter. And they're like, but this is all I have to live for. I might as well just go. Maybe, maybe it made life more exciting hmm. than just sitting around waiting another year. Yeah. But I don't I think know. That's- you know, this makes me feel like, other than the seamstress, we got to get some gender diversity in there. Agreed. <laughs> you think a woman would have made a better decision in this? Is this what you're I saying? Don't, I don't know, but at least it wouldn't all have been the same mentality. <laughs> they would have sure. maybe brought up a few questions. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Mentality. Interesting. Ew. Right. We needed some more womentality. We need womentality. Or nine ba- non, my brain non, is exploding. Non, non-binary <laughs> tality. There you go. So, and, but honestly, any anything uh, a different <laughs> any tality, any tality, a plethora of talities, not just the mentality. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I feel anything else you want to throw up. I think we got a pretty healthy board here. Yeah, we do. We do. We have a super (laughs) healthy board. Let's take a quick break and then we'll start crossing things off the list. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Who is to blame for the Carlock disaster? Poor planning. Captain Robert Bartlett. New land or bust. Capitalism. Story seekers. The Carlock. Wrong tool for the wrong job. Vijalmer Stephenson. No chill. Greed. <laughs> Geographical fantasy. Humans getting handsy. Look with your eyes, not with your hands. That's the same one. <laughs> Negligence slash lack of care for employees. Inexperienced crew. Curiosity tax. Lack of basic training. Rush job slash must the show go on? Question the, mark. Question <laughs> mark. And the Canadian government. Uh, I also want to do uh, men dash tality. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. I'm really blown away. I'll never unsee that. Unsee that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is I'm shook to my core. <laughs> um let's okay, what can we what can we start crossing off here? No chill maybe? Cuz I feel like that can fold into um the uh, story seeker yes, exactly. Lander bust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lack of Netflix. Like what is it? What do you think it was the more sort of um the bigger driver? Do you think it was the story seekers or the new lander bus? Do you think it was curiosity about like science or do you think it was like the thrill of adventure? Like I that think to it's me more is story a, seekers. Okay. Okay. Really? So that's more to blame. Oh, well, because I think it depends on who's your per- what perspective. I'm sure from the Canadian government's perspective, it was all about let's get that new land. Let's get that money. Right. Yeah. Mm. But I, I think the power. people who were running, the, the they were trying to get, they're the ones who went to the Canadian government to be sure. like, give me the money for this. I, tr- I, uh, trust me, it's going to be, um, it's going to be Huge good for, for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But then personally, they're just like, oh, just load up the boat. Whatever, get, grab whatever boat you can find. Yeah, whatever piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> Is it cheap? Get can we afford it? Just get it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how much do these people want to uh, expect to get paid? 10, 10 pounds? Oh, okay. Whoever. Sure. So then that goes back to story seekers too, because even the captain and stuff were saying this is going to be a great opportunity to write my new book, which is like fame, hero, capitalism, all kind of mixed into like mm-hmm. this story seeker yeah, mentality. That, yeah, that like f- fame. Maybe we should have put fame up on the board here. Story seekers. I feel like se- fame and story seekers. Yeah, is that's kind of true. Like so we'll keep story seekers story up seekers. on there. Okay. And maybe we can. Uh, so Newlander bus, the, we like, should get rid of. Yes, I feel like you can take off the car look because, like, it's not the boat itself. Like, you, you, they had there were other boats, and yeah, that boat they did picked fine. the boat. It was retired. That boat was retired, so it had yeah. gone on its expeditions, right? And yeah. in that sense, we could. T- it's more than just using the wrong tool for the wrong job. It's it's more of like a lack yeah. of caring. Mm. Oh yeah, for faux show. So we'll take that off. Um, poor planning that that's true. I mean, (laughs) I mean, but that does fold into a rush job. You can't plan properly if you're trying to go fast. Yeah, I kind of like rush job. And I would also say the Canadian government folds more into rush job because it was sort of the Canadian government dangling that money, uh, and that deadline or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And it was, it was the choice to go with it. The Canadian government didn't force their hand there. It was this. Right. No, they just incentivized them by offering more money if they left at a certain date. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the inexperienced crew, like it wasn't their fault that they were inexperienced. No, they're inexperienced because it was a rush job. Right. Yeah. And their lack of basic training you can throw out too then because that was rush job. They didn't have time for that. Yeah, I think it's more of a lack of care for your employees. Mm-hmm. Right? right. I agree. That was a lot, a lack of care all around. Yes. Even like they said, <laughs> what that excerpt that you were reading where it's like the crew's safety is take second seat <laughs> yes. to the mission. So basically, it's like you're telling people you are less important than this land that we're not sure. And what's about. crazy is that people are like, yeah, yeah, I know. That's fine. Right. Right. <laughs> They were probably like, well, it's a job. What else yeah, am I doing? It's a job. Yeah, what else? It's going to be fun. I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> oh, my God. Mentality. Men. <laughs> mentality. What is wrong with you mentalities? Well, I don't know I how to know. explain it, but like, we're really like, we just want to see what's out there, you know? <laughs> Get Curiosity. some more mentality on there. Um, Now. What about geographical fantasy? Yeah. I feel like. Does that fall under yeah, no. under story seekers? Yes. Good call. Good call. Okay. Humans getting handsy is pretty good, actually. Greed. I feel like this is not so much greed as much as it is. Uh, yeah, no, this is ego. There's a dash yeah, of yes. greed in here. Yeah. There's a dash, yes. but it's not the main mm-hmm. story. No, no. The curiosity tax. I really do like that. I like that term. Me too. We should reincorporate that whenever we can. But I don't think that that's what's happening here. Do we want to say Bartlett? I mean, Bartlett, how do we want to address that? Oh, I'm not taking him off the list. Capitalism, again, you can take off. That was sort of greed, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rush job, got to stay on there. Negligence, got to stay on there. Okay, so this is what we've got so far for our listeners. We've got the captain, Bartlett, story seekers, 
uh, expedition leader, Stephenson. Humans getting handsy slash look with your eyes, not with your hands. <laughs> love, love. <laughs> Negligence slash lack of care for employees. Rush job slash must the show go on mm. and mentality. Mm. So I so here's the big question in regards to Bartlett Stephenson and what I would say is like the conversation around negligence or lack of care for employees. Does one of them take precedent over the other? Like, is it one of these dudes lack of care or negligence, or do we feel like it was the, the negligence, the negligence was kind of. I feel like something that's been contested is like, whose fault was it? Was it more sure. Bartlett? Was it more Stephenson? And like, they're passing the buck, you know, and trying mm-hmm. to uh, blame the other person and people are trying to get to the bottom of that where I just feel like it was both of them. Sure, you can't, sure. you know, I think we're wasting energy trying to figure out who's more to blame, who's more to blame. It looks like it was a, a combo. Sure. Okay. Um. Now, the the thing is, what are we... What are we, I mean, just the idea of humans getting handsy again, it, I, I feel like stories, well, that's different. Story seeking is different than humans getting handsy, like gimme. Mm-hmm. So maybe we take humans getting handsy off of this because that has more of a greed element to it. Sure. Like, okay. Right? Yeah. Look with your eyes, not with your hands. Like, don't touch. Yeah, I mean... That's what they tell people at strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just thinking of like stores, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> stores with like glass. A fine china shop. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, Chris, um, for sure. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's more to it than just like wanting to touch fine. a beautiful thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> What this expedition seems more like, yeah, there's a little bit more like there's dashes of greed and capitalism and, you know, heroism and like opportunism. Like there's more to it than just like, oh, that's a pretty thing I want to touch and ruin. Yeah. (laughs) I want to touch and ruin. (laughs) Oh, mentality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Negligence, lack of care of for their employees. That goes back to um, the the. Stephenson uh, and Bartlett? Yeah, I think so. So do we roll that into these two guys? Yeah. Okay. And a rush job. I think that's got to... Now, does mentali- mentality go fall into rush job or story seekers? Or do they fall into mentality? They fold into that. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with this new term. Yeah, because but the only problem is that women have have a uh, have a, have, have a thrill seeking side to them too. So it's not it's not just men. That's true. Women have mm-hmm. it. There are adventurous women. Hmm. Mm. So it's not. You know what I'm saying? Can't just say get dudes. Can't just go. with I'm dudes just saying here. lack of diversity. If it's just one mentality, you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. It, it doesn't feel right for this one, but when does it, it should feel right for this one because it's just a bunch of dudes and a seamstress. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is what is happening? Is <laughs> yeah, it seems like if it wasn't such a rush job, 
and there was uh if safety i mean because now i feel like the captain's job is first and foremost is the safety of everyone on the ship not the safety of the ship itself but the people Mm -hmm. on board right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it feels like if that were if we were in that mentality where it's safety first and we are actually taking the time to properly plan and we're you know taking account of multiple voices and experience in the room then um that would be i don't even i can't i just died that's negligence I yeah. think so that's folding rush job into negligence. Mm-hmm. So I, I here's what I'm thinking. I think we send Stephenson and Bartlett negligence on the part of Stephenson and Bartlett to the alarmist jail. Okay. okay. Their negligence. Mm. And we slap. Am I really going to slap story seekers? <laughs> <laughs> what about rush job as a slap to me that is plays yeah. into so many of the mistakes i mean that can play into the mistake of choosing the car look itself it plays into the mistake of um the lack of training it plays in the mistake of bad planning mm-hmm. well maybe then we can slap mentality well no i was just advocating for rush job. i know but now i'm advocating for mentality <laughs> 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 just because that to me is like, if you tell me like, okay, we're, we got to go in a week to whatever, we're, we got to go to New York in a week, in, in an hour, and, and we got to buy a car, I'm just going to be like, why do we need to go to New York in an hour? <laughs> right. Why can't we? Uh, I, I just have a bunch of questions here. Um, sure. So you're suggesting, I'm just I guess that, in that, in that, in that, in that story or in that scenario i'm assuming that you (laughs) need to yeah that's what i'm saying is that like are you suggesting that women don't rush i guess is that that's my question that's true that's true (laughs) or that there are no men who have reservations about yeah (laughs) i would throw myself in the camp of i'd be like uh just a few questions Well, that's why I like to travel yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and in all fairness, Chris is very good at traveling as well. <laughs> he oh, would thanks. never do that. No. Um, so then maybe we do fold mentality, mentality into a rush job, right? Yeah. Okay. And then we slap rush job. That feels yeah. that feels good to me. Okay. I'm going to call it. Rush job, you're getting the big slap. Negligence on the part of Stephenson and Bartlett. You're going to the alarmist jail. I guess really what we're sending to the alarmist jail is Bartlett and Stephenson and the charge, what they've been charged with is negligence. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> it's more of a, yeah. And what we'll do in there as we have been slowly transitioning to a more of a rehabilitation center right. as, as opposed mm-hmm. to a jail mm-hmm. is we'll put them in, you know, negligence training and we'll try and identify what their blind spots are when it comes to their negligences. Mm. Okay. So we're going to teach them how to make a, a to-do list. We're going to take, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're going to give the, there, we have a whole course on scheduling. You know, my first yeah. tip, I, I've said this on the alarmist before is the first tip of make your to-do list, start with make a to-do list. And then once you finish, you can cross that off. It's such a good feeling. And that's what I'll tell Bartlett and Stephenson. Okay. So Chris is teaching that class. Um, <laughs> I, have, I need some time to think of my class. I'll get back to you. Yeah. I, you know me. I'm, mine is scheduling. I love that. I love you're not rushing that decision, Clayton. We're, not, Thank we're you. already yeah. learning. I want to think about what they might need the most. And then I'll, yeah. 
No <laughs> rush job. No rush job here. Um, mm-hmm. We're teach him how to pick out a good planner. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yes, that's good. Get some good pens. Remember when we had planners? Now we just have an eye Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with planners growing up. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, th- you know, thank you us for joining <laughs> us today. This has been a great voyage to uncharted territories. Yes, it's true. We learned about a disaster we had no clue about before this. So, um, uh, thank you. To- I guess I'll thank the Alarmy for joining us on this yes. journey. Yes, thank right? you, Alarmy. And tune in next week. We are going to be discussing the Jonestown Cult Massacre. After the Carlick disaster, while Captain Bartlett was initially celebrated by the press and public for his heroic leadership, with several survivors crediting him with saving their lives, he was later criticized for agreeing to take the Carlick into the Arctic and for allowing the group of four to travel on their own. Six first-hand accounts have been published about the failed voyage, including books by Captain Bartlett and explorer Stephenson. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Additional writing by Anastasia Kousakis. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Jonestown Cult Massacre. Erios. Powered by ACAST. 